Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Welcome to Irish Tech News Podcast, and down the end there, see with Connor from WIA, who won recently launchpad and Ben Hurley, head of NGRC. So, guys, tell us about, about, about WIA in general. Yeah, so WIA provides a platform for developers who are building Internet of Things applications. So, anyone who's building a hardware product that uses sensors or tracks location. Uh, typically, they would spend months and hundreds of thousands trying to build their own cloud infrastructure. What we provide is a plug-and-play way to really quickly create a connected product. And uh, what kind of hardware would you be using? Because I've seen Raspberry Pi on your uh, website. Yeah, we, we do a lot of stuff with the Raspberry Pi and um, with our free platform, but because our uh, software sits at, the, sits at the application layer, that allows us to work on every single device in the world. So you're basically cloud-based as well? Yeah, so we have software that sits on the device, we have our cloud, and then we provide SDKs for mobile and desktop so that um, our customers can create uh, custom experiences. And have you got any clients so far? Yeah, we're just, so this month, we're just releasing the, the enterprise version of our product, and we've got a bunch of companies lined up to uh, move over and start using that. And what about pricing points for customers? Yeah, so the, the, big, the big thing for the customers is they can, they can get to market much, much faster um, and build rapid iterations of their product. Um, uh, the vast reduction in the cost is a big thing for them as well. And they also don't have to worry about scaling from that one device to a practically unlimited number of devices yeah. um, overnight. So you've got various plans for the customers they can use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so for, the, for the people who are starting off, the people who are building the bedroom prototype as such, they can use our free plan. And then we have uh, the cloud platform for people who have maybe a few hundred or a few thousand devices. And later in the year, we'll be releasing an on-premise version which will allow companies to embed our software very deeply within their organization. And you plan to go elsewhere like America and, and other parts of the world? Yeah, so I think going forward, it's going to be really important for us to get really close to where the devices are being built themselves. So the two places that really stand out at the moment are San Francisco um, and Shenzhen in China. And so you're also looking for new staff as well? Yes, yeah, we're looking for lots of new staff. So we're looking for a head of engineering, more developers and a head of marketing as well. So how much staff in that total? Is it about four or five or is it more than that? Yeah, there's four or four at the moment. That's, that's yeah. not bad. So yeah. you're, you're always hiring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Always hiring, always expanding. So what's the plus points to work for you guys? What would you say is the selling points going to work for you? Yeah, so we're always really forward looking and our mission is to bring the next billion devices onto, onto the internet. So it's a really, really exciting thing to be part of. And because we, because we have such a horizontal platform, it means we, it gives us an opportunity to jump into lots of different industries and learn about lots of different things. Yeah, so what area do you think is going to be big for you? Um, so some of the biggest areas that we've been looking at are um, so wearables, uh, logistics, um, home automation, and other consumer electronics as well. Yeah, I guess wearables is going to be a big one because at the moment everyone's getting into that. Yeah, so the wearable side is getting really, really big at the moment. Um, as you can see, everyone walking around with their, their Fitbit on and and all of, the, all of those kind of uh, health trackers. So that, that, that is going to continue, that trend will continue um, throughout the next, the next few years. Yeah, I'm not too sure about the watches at the moment. I think they're a lot of money. Yeah, so I, th- I think everyone, the, everyone's kind of used to you know, buying a watch and it lasts for five or 10 or 15 years. And it's, it's a total shift in mentality because um, they're, tr- they're trying to sell you know, products that they expect to be refreshed every two, three years, yeah. which is a total change in mindset. And little things like the battery life and all of that are, are obviously concerns for people as well. But um, I think that convergence of the kind of w- w- the, the fitness tracker yeah. and the watch, um, having all of those facilities <coughs> built into one, um, is, is a really, really beneficial uh, product. Yeah, so last weekend in the garden, a guy wrote said he took out of that Apple Watch after yeah. a, a year. 
since he's finally said no, not anymore. Yeah, for me, I think that the the problem, with, the biggest problem with Apple Watch is probably the lack of GPS. Um, you know, if it's going to be a fitness tracker, you shouldn't have to have an iPad strapped your, strapped onto your back yeah. um, while, while you're running. That, that's that's not what it's about. Um, and that's once once I think once they've done that, that'll be a start. That'll be starting to move in the right direction. But also, the kind of use cases, the needs for the watch are, are aren't aren't the same as a phone. Yeah. So. Um, some of the other mistakes that some people in the watch domain have made are that they've just tried to take the phone and make it smaller and the truth is the UX needs to come from from scratch it needs yeah. to come from 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 being a timepiece and extending it from there I think it's more open source so if you got a, if you got a watch any hardware you have to work with it same like with you guys get your open source all the way yeah so, so that, like that that, that, um, that that methodology is something that we really embrace um, like we, people who send data to our platform we, we want to integrate with other platforms so that you can enrich your own experiences and provide uh, further functionality to, to your customers so I think that that idea of an ecosystem where everything talks to each other is, yeah. is really really important um, and really exciting I know Microsoft they're now moving towards everything is open source. So if you've got a, a Mac or anything else, you can work in Azure. Yeah, so, so that, that, that's that's been quite quite an interesting move. Um, little things like uh, pu- pushing the Bash shell into uh, Windows and stuff is is, is a big change for um, for Microsoft. So for for them, I suppose it really boils down to they want for, in, for Azure they want to sell servers and databases yeah. and being compatible with all of these um, different uh, different standards and. Uh, kind of operating systems um, allows them to jump into that ecosystem much easier. You know, I saw a guy, one of the key guys, uh, gave me a talk last month, decoded some conference in UCD, and he was running Ubuntu on a Surface tablet. Yeah. I'm thinking, five years ago you wouldn't have that, and it, it's great to be open source now. Well, that's it. even going back to what, what you were saying about um, the Raspberry Pi. Now Ubuntu runs on the Raspberry Pi, so does Windows, so does uh, the Raspberry in their own OS. So that idea of being able to um, take the operating system and put it onto lots of different devices is, is something that is happening quite a lot at the moment. I wish other guys who are doing IT would finally decide, look, go open source. We don't care what hardware you have, as long as you use our software. Yeah, it, that, that's it. So the, the hardware, for a lot of use cases, the hardware isn't going to change awfully much over the next three, four, five years. Um, but it's it's the software and what happens after the data is sent from the device is where the, the, the biggest changes are going to happen. Because yeah, I know that, for example, if you've got like a, like a smartwatch, it won't change much over the next two years because it's the size of it. But I think when they bring out newer chips and new, new OSs, mm. they can make it actually run better. You'll usually see difference. But at the moment, it's fine where it is. Yeah, so I think the big things about the watch um, and the, the new operating systems are whenever you improve the battery life, um, and, and the, the efficiency um, and also looking at possibly extending the functionality so one of the things that may happen with the watch is that the watch may be the supercomputer and the your phone or your TV could be the device that becomes a second screen as such because all of the compute is actually on your wrist or you could have a, like the, what, the phone is a dumb terminal yeah yeah, that's exactly what I mean yeah. because I'm, I'm, I know that with you guys I guess you're trying to plan for that as well yeah the, the, we're, we're looking into those those things too that um, that, you, that you always have the supercomputer atta- attached yeah. to your wrist and then you extend that onto other devices after so you're right now working and doing a, a version of your software an app for the uh, smartphones and, uh, and uh, watches as well yeah so our, our platform so we provide SDKs for iOS for um, Android um, and that means that we can we can sit on, on, on those devices as well yeah because I, I guess they're the two big startups in figure I think Windows is basically when Finspan is gone yeah uh, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it hasn't had as much traction as, as what they expected and they sold off Nokia 
Um, and I think they've now removed their branding from all of the, the Microsoft branding from all of the phones going forward. Yeah. Um, could be wrong about that, but um, but yeah, I think they, they've realised that that's it's a pretty challenging uh, ecosystem, especially with with Apple and Android. There, we've all seen what's happened to kind of BlackBerry as yeah. well, um, and that, that 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 just shows how how challenging it really is. But it's also in, in other markets, so that, that that's in in Western markets, that's 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 the state. But if you look at um, China and Asia, um, you've got companies like Xiaomi who are now the, the, the biggest smartphone or one of the biggest smartphone manufacturers um, in in China, and those guys have basically sprung up overnight. Like they're what five six years old, um, and yeah, and now they're selling hundreds of millions of devices. I guess because they're using an open source OS, it's easier for them to do that. Well, yeah, yeah, ex- exactly, yeah. Because as long as you get an OS that's supported worldwide, and you want to probably, like if you go online with Linux and you go online and you get a problem, you go online and find out the issues and say, help me. Whereas if you got another brand like Windows stuff, it's hard to get help for that. Yeah, uh, a, lot, a lot of developers like to use um, you know, open source. In open source, they say it's Stack Overflow driven yeah. development. So Stack Overflow is one of the most popular websites for developers to uh, troubleshoot on. So a lot of developers actually learn from you constantly troubleshooting. Uh, but but even just going back to the the Xiaomi stuff, I think what was really a big thing for those guys as well is it wasn't just about the device for them. Yeah. They also introduced a new way to sell smartphones. So they would sell them in twenty four hour flash sales, which meant that so they would do those before it actually had hit the production line. Yeah. So they could go, okay, we need to make fifty million units, and we're going to make fifty million units, and that's that. And that meant that they could do it at a much better cost and not have any stock or inventory sitting in the background. Yeah, I guess yeah. it's smart. Right? I guess in the West we aren't doing that such. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's it, like the next iPhone has probably gone into production already with assumptions about how many they're actually going to sell, yeah. and then there will be stock spread out the world. But I guess they're assuming they're going to sell more. But a thing was come at the moment. A lot of rumors about the new Lightning port for the headset. Yeah. So yeah, I think the. Like the, the rumors that are going around about the drop from of the headphone jack is is quite interesting, but it's it's probably moving in the right direction. I think I think it's inevitable uh, that we will have to everything will become wireless. Yeah. And it's it's people a lot of people dis- will disagree with doing this and think that it's you know Apple trying to sell another product, but I I kind of think that it's it's just actually the the start of the move onto the next stage. Well, it's like USB C. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like for years, Apple have always, sorry, they've all dropped like floppy disk. Yeah. They drop optical drive. They've always think what's going to be used in five years' time. Yeah. And they go for that. So. Well, well, that's it. They they were the first to drop the CD DVD drive. Yeah. Um, and that was I think about five five years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and it, they they were the ones who kind of made that call, and then everyone kind of followed suit. But even some of the stuff you're talking about with the USB. Um, the, 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 that has actually there's actually been a lot of stuff on um, regulation and compliance which has encouraged them to do that so there are some EU directives at the moment which um, encourage Apple to use USB and not use as many proprietary standards um, as, as they do um, for, uh, for sorry for uh, recycling reasons you know, and get back to launchpad yeah. how, how, how good was that for you? it was amazing yeah, yeah. It, yeah so uh, like it was a really good experience so the big thing for me was making the transition from uh, coming down from Belfast to Dublin. So in, down here, I had no real, real network, um, no, no real business network. And the great thing about the Launchpad program was that we had a group of um, great advisors, great mentors, and a great cohort, which um, gave us all a, a, an automatic network um, for us all to um, engage with potential customers, partners, um, and even just industry experts as so well. I guess for 12 weeks, you had fun. Yeah, 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 no, it, it, it was good. Uh, it, it was hard work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so and I think 
So my background is mostly working before before I I'd set up this company. I was always working and building products. So that side I knew really well. But in terms of turning that into a company, that was an actual challenge. And yeah. you learn very quickly that they are two very very different things. Um, whenever you have to deal with uh, you know the financials, knocking on people's doors to, to sell it, um, and all of the different things that come with building a building a company. I guess you're told basically every day pivot slightly pivot. Yeah, the, the, my shoes are quite worn at this yeah. stage. Um, you know, <laughs> but, but <laughs> you know, but you, you do. Um, but but you, you, it's, 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 you you pivot based on um, based on learnings. So that again comes back to having that great network of customers and industry experts. Having chats with them, um, having interviews with them, that that means that you you can, you can actually make an educated pivot, um, which which is much more beneficial. And I guess for you, you was having the good mentors behind you as well. Yeah, exactly. Like the mentors we have here are, are absolutely top notch. Um, and it's I think as a founder, what's interesting is you hear lots of different opinions from different mentors, and you have to be the person who is the decision maker and who can collate all of that information and turn it into um, an action. Well, I guess it's great they all don't sing, sing the same voice so you can pick and choose the best ones. Yeah, yeah. Because I was here a program a few years ago and we had different mentors and each mentor gave different advice. Yeah. And it was all the exact same. Yeah. Basically, you'd be like sheep walking around the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, it was it was, it was a slightly different advice but yeah, you do learn to, you do learn to um, take it all on board. Um, like, I have a lot of respect for the mentors and to... To, and, and, and to figure out which way is going to be best for, for the company um, because they, they know a lot about business but the founders know a lot about their, their own business in particular and so that convergence um, is, is really really important and, and always, always being open to, to, to an open discussion is really important as well and being really transparent with the mentors so if you're having a problem go okay I'm having this problem can you help me and that, 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 was, that was always really really helpful as well instead of Instead of keeping everything kind of closed in. Yeah, and how was your pitch day? It's great. Yeah, so uh, yeah, no, really, really enjoy the pitch day. Um, like our, our cohort are absolutely top notch this year. Um, I think what's what's been really interesting and, and was evident from the pitch day was how different the companies are. So there are companies who are exporting baby milk to China. There are companies working in fintech. There are companies working in property, um, and it's it's been really, really interesting to see kind of. The, the journey of each one of those uh, or, or all of the all companies involved because you guess you get guys coming who you haven't pitched for in life yeah. and they're sitting told and told you that you're going to pitch for all these investors yeah. and I guess you're kind of getting worried at, what do I do how do I make this proper yeah, yeah no, exactly um, and I think, I think what makes it easier to pitch um, in front of investors is if you get into the mode of um, not pitching as such, but more of telling a story. Yeah. And whenever you're telling a story, it's much easier to embrace with them and easier to engage. So that that's that that, that make, that's the way I found it easier anyway. Yeah, we did hear a guy from Spruce who were on Black and Down last week and they won some money and they were telling me that when they went to, to pitch, they asked a question about by the judges and they said, take half a minute to, to, to discuss your in, in among yourselves the answer. Don't go and give the answer order because if you do that, you make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to rush into an answer all the time. You can sometimes put your hands up and say, I don't know, but I'll find out and I will get back to you. Yeah. It's just still a valid answer, as long as you don't say it too many times. Because they were saying um, that they had a scenario where they asked a question, yeah. and if one guy didn't know, his partner could jump in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you see that quite a lot with companies where... What, what, um, so a lot of companies have the structure of um, the, the three the three founders the, the hacker the hustler and the hipster yeah um, so uh, whenever it comes to like the sales side you've got the um, 
you've, you've got the, you've, you've got the hustler, and whenever it comes to the real technical side, you've got the hacker, and whenever it comes to the design, the brand, the messaging, that's where you've got the hipster. Yeah, when Sprouse said, "One of us is Steve Jobs." Yeah. One of us, Steve, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And they uh, they said the guy. The at times they can change their roles to a certain degree because they're enough about each other's not to do that. But at times, if if you're coming in basically brand new and new to this, it can be tough. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think as as you're more involved and as you as you see more of the inner workings of the company, um, you, as you said, you, you do kind of know each other's departments pretty well. Yeah, and Ben, come to you. How how big has it been for you with NDRS three launchpad past few years? Uh, well, you know, across our whole range of programs, it's been massive. We've uh, invested in over two hundred companies in the last uh, eight years or so. And the investor day that um, you've just been chatting about there with uh, Connell, there was twelve of those ventures pitching at that particular investor day uh, from three of our programs. Um, and you know, with two hundred um, uh, ventures through here, I think you know when you when I'm listening here there to Connell to what he's talking about, he, he's talking about stuff that we're exactly looking for in those ventures, right? He's got a very very clear view of what his customer problem is. You know, the, the plumbing for the Internet of Things yeah. is a challenge, and it's a barrier for many people to get their, their product off the ground. Very, very clear view on that, and a very good, straightforward solution to solving that. So it can be done with a couple of lines of code in a couple of seconds. So that gives you an example of the kind of the kind of ventures we're looking for that are really focused on a, a very clear customer problem and have a good, clear solution for it. You're looking for problems, things you know very well. Like you, you won't go into an area you don't know too much about. Not, not really, okay, but there's also risks associated with yeah. going to an area thinking you know the answer, right? And again, listening to Connell there, he says that sometimes it's okay to say you don't know, but you need to be willing to find out and you need to be willing to put the work into it. Um, you know, in terms of being ready to pitch in front of investors on investor day, it's actually about the work you've done beforehand that, yeah. that forms the story that you can tell on the day itself. And it's the kind of the pressure cooker that we have here in our investment programs that really focuses you on answering those tough questions in advance of it. So it's when you're standing up there talking about it, you are fully confident because you've gone through that, right? But a lot of that has been about that customer engagement, uh, building your knowledge. And it's, a, it's actually a risk to say that you understand your customer so well in advance, or you know your area so yeah. well that you're going in to solve it. In many cases, in fact, you know, where you're coming from, having been the ideal customer yourself, and now you're becoming the entrepreneur, you can be your own worst enemy because you're assuming that what you see as being a problem is a problem that everybody has. Yeah. And you actually go, need to go back and, and, and learn something more about what, how others perceive that same problem uh, for, for, from their angle. I guess if you're trying to tell a story and a background story, you're basically the pain you're solving for a customer, they'll get it more so. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, an investor is looking for something um, where they can get a return on investment when they're going to a business, right? A business, in the first instance, before it can deliver a return, needs to have some means of monetizing and, 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 and providing value to a customer base, right? And if you haven't a way of, of providing value, you can't monetize. And the value is always going to be about the pain you're solving for the customer and solving in a way that really works for them as well. This also got to make sure that you, and it might take a year or two before they really make money. So it's going to be a long-term plan. Yeah, so there's uh, there's a, a variety of different ways you know you can build up money. Maybe it is on the on, on the back of Wise platform here. There's a there's a range of different options of of, of engaging with customers, and it, it meets their kind of entry point to come in and start doing something like this, right? For other plays, it might take a bit longer to get there, right? I, I think one thing though that has happened in general, um, you know, from a technology point of view, is the cost of getting it to some sort of proof point. The cost of getting a business to a proof point has reduced dramatically, um, but you still want to get revenues at as early a point as you can because 
because it proves your model and it proves that there is a real that you're solving a real problem so uh, you know even in the early days it's not about the quantum of it it's nearly about there's enough there to say that the customer really appreciates and is willing to pay for it um, and then it's a case of well how do you build that and scale that such that revenues are at, at the right kind of level to sustain a business because in all of these things we're not just looking to solve problems we're looking to solve problems that lead to sustainable solutions long term for the customer and for the business so the business can be profitable and a good return on investment. And also guess you're aiming to make money as well. Exactly so you know without a long term kind of creation of value in, in, in each of these ventures um, uh, it's not going to be possible to, to, to make a return out of them so you are looking for a way um, that, that can uh, deliver towards that but in finding that again the heart of that is going back to are you solving a problem that is sufficiently valuable um, that the customers will be willing to pay uh, over the long term. I guess like Soundwave came out of you guys and they did doing very well at the moment. Uh, absolutely, a very interesting development and um, uh, you know, uh, Soundwave was obviously finding a new way to, to, for, for people to discover music and you know, there's been a lot of innovation over the years in, um, in entertainment technology and you know, music is much more accessible now to the extent that it's hard to find the stuff you really want. Right? So, so the things that come out that, that assist in that are, are, are very, very important. I think the key thing that Soundwave had that made them really attractive to Spotify was uh, something that gave them an edge on, their, on Spotify's competitors. And Soundwave had kind of developed uh, something unique about how, to, how you consumers were um, uh, um, identifying and discovering new music married to a really valuable kind of uh, data backend that was useful to the publishing industry. So I guess you'd say to sort of try and find a problem that exists and make it and make it better. Uh, absolutely, and discover a problem is 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 the way to go about it. Um, you know, frequently with people will come in with an idea which is formed around the concept of a product, and this product sounds good and sounds snazzy, right? But you need to peel it back um, a layer before that and say, well, you know, what exactly, what problem are you solving with that? Um, and you need to understand a problem that is of sufficient. Um, uh, pain and of sufficient uh, value to solve that can lead to real product. You know, at, at times, although, although, you know, we might, we might see ideas coming that are, are more like features and as an addition to something that's there already. And again, that's a real challenge to kind of say, well, you know, is that actually going to be a, a significant value-add addition to that to the overall solution that it'll uh, carve out a new business um, for um, out of that idea. So, you know, it is, at the heart of it, it has to be, um, you know, a really good, clear understanding of a problem. But, you know, what we invest in in NDRC is things that, uh, where, where the concept that we're, that's coming in front of us and the team that's behind that concept, we feel uh, that the concept is, 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 is sound enough that the market opportunity long term is, is big enough and that the team behind it can figure out the other stuff they need to do to get from the point they're at to being seed investor ready. And sometimes it is, you know, uh, getting more proof points around the problem and getting more proof points that their solution is, is a viable solution to that. And I guess for you, you've got a well-known brand name now, so if something uh, goes into NDRC Launchpad and doing very well or other programs, they have more chance of doing well because you're behind them. Yeah, so I think you know our, our, our brand name comes from our track record, actually, right? So the fact that we've invested in 200 companies, that over 50% of those companies get next stage um, investment into them from third parties, uh, not from ourselves, um, that, that that has accumulated to 130 million uh, to the end of last year. I think that track record really speaks for itself. And what it does then is, is it gives um, both the entrepreneurs coming in a, a kind of sense of confidence that this is going to be something of value to them, right? But it also means that the investors, that their targeting has been the next stage investment, 
you know that there's a solid pipeline coming through from our activities. So it's a kind of a positively fulfilling cycle that's coming through there. Uh, and therefore, um, because there is that strong pipeline, our ability to, to, to engage and connect uh, the two parties is very strong. But married to that is our investment approach, which is you know quite unique and quite different out there. Um, we have a very much uh, a philosophy of it's 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 a um, you know a fusion between a small bit of capital injected to the company and then a huge amount of value add, mentorship, guidance, um, activities around the edge that are geared to actually focus the company on what's really important at the early stage and focus them on what they need to, to, to answer now to become seed investor ready. I guess because you've got a lot of different mentors on board with different skill sets that helps. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you, you can look at it and say, well, um, uh, you know, what's the full range of things a company can do? Um, but at the front end, you know, companies need to be clear about um, what their unique value proposition is, right? And uh, companies need to be clear. So, so looking at that aspect of it and, and mentoring around that is critical. Companies need to be clear how to message that then. So how to communicate that out to, out to uh, audiences is important. Companies need to fundamentally understand, is there a business in this? So the finance is going to be important in that regard again. So, you know, there's a range of kind of things that are, that are really important that we bring to bear um, on those uh, ventures. But as Conlon mentioned there, you know, there is, you know, we, we have our internal mentors and we um, um, uh, supplement that with, with strong uh, external mentors that we've been uh, working with for quite some time. And we're, we're different in that regard in that we don't, you know, put it out to the hundreds of thousands as such. We're, we we, we handpick and select the, the mentors we work with. Um, and the advice, you know, is, is, is very clear advice, but it is just advice and sometimes it can conflict. And that's actually a very healthy thing because the person, the only people who can make the decision um, around that advice is coming their way are the entrepreneurial team themselves, right? And they have to figure this out. So the, the idea behind the advice is to keep the focus on the right stuff, give them a bit of stuff to really think about, but it's really so as they can come back and answer that themselves, uh, rather than say, okay, thanks for that advice, I'm going to do exactly what you're saying. Yeah. That's not the purpose. I guess if you give them different mentors to work with, they'll each give different advice and they can see which advice works best for them. Yeah, so it is a matter of you know listening to all that's there. As I say, the, the mentors that we bring in typically focus on different kind of functional elements of the business, right? As opposed to bringing in three mentors who are all going to talk about messaging, we typically kind of focus in, well, somebody will look at messaging and then it's up to the team to kind of pick up on that advice and move on with it. Um, so I think it is a case of, um, you know, again, even the way we choose mentors, it's about what the venture needs to focus on at that early stage of growth. And it is about validating that proposition, how best they can validate that. And I guess as a company, sort of it's best to be able to pick and choose and find out which bit of advice you should take and which you should leave behind. That decision is entirely down to the um, entrepreneurial team that's there. So, you know, um, you you need to be the person that is, is really focused on understanding your customer value proposition yourself. We can give you guidance as to how you might approach that particular task of, of digging into uh, that customer understanding. But you then gaining that, you interacting directly with the customers on foot of that advice, you learning from your customers, building that back into a better view of your business, uh, that's really down to the entrepreneurial team. Themselves. And I guess uh, Launchpad is going to keep going for years to come. So we're, as I say, we were investing across a number of uh, investment programs and basically our investment programs between Launchpad, Catalyzer and Venture Lab, we cater for uh, nearly every kind of venture, early stage venture you can look at out there in the digital space at this stage. Um, And our intention is that our early stage investment activities that kind of bridge that gap between sound concept and seed investable, they will be continuing for years to come. And Launchpad will continue to be a key part of that um, uh, during that time. I guess it's probably your flagship at the moment. Sorry? Actually, at the moment, it's probably your flagship program, Launchpad. 
Um, I would say that it's more a flagship approach of investment yeah. across NDRC. Um, you know, Launchpad caters for business model innovation uh, activities, right? The other programs cater for companies that have uh, maybe a, an even deeper sense of uh, intellectual property behind them or a deeper kind of um, um, uh, uh, patented technology or ones that have a deep domain, really deep domain thing. So the Internet of Things is quite a broad one with a, with a multiple verticals and that's a, a very interesting um, example from a Launchpad point of view. But then there's others that's going specifically into the healthcare space and really, really need to go deep in that area. So I think, um, you know, it certainly is a volume uh, program for us. We do more uh, launchpad investments than we would across Catalyzer and Venture Lab. But um, I think, you know, we, in, in terms of um, the types of ventures we're looking for, we're actually looking to invest in a very broad spectrum of very early stage ventures across the board. So I guess saying like healthcare, IoT, that kind of stuff? Yeah, healthcare, IoT um, is, is very, very interesting. Uh, specific verticals of IoT is also interesting. Uh, fintech is also an interesting space. Um, we continue to develop, invest in, in entertainment technologies as well, in the gaming space, and, and, and you mentioned Soundwave earlier in, in that space. So th- there's a, um, a variety of different spaces that, that we're investing in across all those programs. And what about blockchain and Bitcoin? Is that something you're looking into? That's an interesting one, yeah, because we've seen that come in through, um, you know, in addition to our... Uh, investment program activities, we run some pre-accelerator activities too to help new ideas emerge um, from the ecosystem. And uh, in the past, we've run um, an NDRC FinTech um, pre-accelerator, and we'll be running one of those again later on this year. So watch this space in in that regard. But, um, you know, a couple of blockchain Bitcoin ones came through in that area, but it's now interesting to see that that technology, you know, crossing over into other security applications as opposed to kind of fintech applications. So even though it's behind, you know, blockchain is what's behind Bitcoin, blockchain is now, you know, uh, um, crossing over into other areas as well. All right. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Connor. That's great. Thanks very much. Thank Thank you for your time.